You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Go Wild. Now, the Go Wild app has added some really cool and exciting functionality to their app. And the first one I want to talk about is the Near Me function. And basically what this does, it allows you to engage and connect with people in your area. You guys can talk about gear. You guys can talk about hunting areas. You guys can talk about what's going on in the woods. And it just allows the users to be more of a community and connect easier. The second part is the gearbox. And what the gearbox is, it is a an opportunity for the users to not only see reviews on products and see what the go wild community is using in the field what products they're using but it also allows you guys to purchase up to 150,000 products there's you, there's a shopping function on it so Check out the Go Wild app. If you haven't downloaded it to your phone yet, you need to, and you can do that at any app store that is currently available. Go Wild. It's an awesome app. Check them out. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. And this one we recorded on May 22nd, so after the southern zone, most of the state has closed for turkey season for spring turkey season so basically we talk about harvest numbers we talk about you know we kind of compiled the data so we could look at the top five counties in in harvest total the top five counties in percentage increase percentage decrease that kind of thing so we we kind of run through the the harvest data we also talk about jeff's surgery in this one so in in the beginning you'll hear jeff's experience with the getting his his coronavirus test to get cleared to have a hernia repaired and uh yeah so it's an interesting one fun one about turkeys so before we get into that though let's talk about Mastin's deer sense so Mastin's is a scent company a deer scent company they also have some some predator scents but it's not deer season right now. We got a we got a little little ways to get to to get the deer season. But if you're anything like we are, you're already thinking about deer, and Mastins is a good way to get deer in front of your camera this time of year if you're wanting to watch antler growth. So put some of their scent out there. Deer are curious, you know. You've seen them. You got. I'm sure you've gotten a trail cam picture with a deer with its nose in the lens of your camera. So, you know, they're curious. Put some scent out there. They'll come check out the scent, and you can get a nice, clean picture of them. 
if you're interested in trying some of that stuff, using scent as a way to get deer in front of your camera this time of year, check them out, mastinsdeersense.com, or go to ohiohuntsman.com slash sponsors, and you can find links and information there. Now, let's get into this conversation where it had me cracking up. Like I said, we start with with Jeff's story about uh, his, his prep for his surgery and things, so enjoy that. Welcome to the Ohio Huntsman Podcast, where three brothers, Jason, Jacob, and Jeff, discuss all things hunting in Ohio. Our goal is to be your source for accurate and reliable hunting news and conservation issues in the great state of Ohio, as well as some fun and interesting conversations along the way. This is the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. Are you listening? Alright, so this week's episode, we're... We got the three of us back in uh, in the studio in the saddle. I don't know what I want to what I want to say there, but uh, we're all recording remotely. We've you know that's pretty much how we do these. But uh, Jeff is recovering. He uh, had an operation here. What day was that, Jeff? Uh, it was Monday. So today's Friday. So so I I mean I heard some stuff through text, but do you want to? run us through the the highlights of this uh operation yeah yeah so uh i had a a hernia repaired um which took a little while to get diagnosed um because they couldn't quite figure out i mean i went to the doctor originally and said that i think i have a hernia um but they didn't detect anything originally so they wanted to rule out much more serious things first um once they did diagnose it then i had to wait a while because they weren't doing elective surgeries because of coronavirus um but monday i went in well actually what was that saturday morning instead of turkey hunting the last weekend of turkey season i had to go get a a COVID test, which was an adventure in itself. It was <laughs> of it's uh, well, and it depends on where you get your test from. But uh, if if they do it to make sure that you don't get a, a false negative, um, it can be a very invasive test, um, <laughs> which I was not prepared for. So. I mean, you got to, what do you mean by invasive? So I, I thought, I wasn't sure how they, what the test was going to be, but I, I had an idea. I had been told that they swab the inside of your nose and that they have to get like really far into the inside of your nose. That's all I knew. So I show up at the testing facility. It's a, pull up like parking spot testing facility that I have an appointment for and I didn't get to choose my appointment they told me when I had an appointment for you know be there don't get surgery basically that was Um, because of the whole Rona stuff or yeah yeah as part of pre-op I had to have a, a negative corona test well like the way they were doing it like be there at this time or sorry about your luck 
Yes, yes. I I had I had to have this negative test and basically because they had so many uh people to schedule like by the time they got to someone who was just getting a pre-op test it was yeah, show up at this time or sorry about your luck, we can reschedule your surgery for next week and we'll try to fit you in because you have to you have to have your test within 48 hours i think within 48 hours of getting your surgery you have to have a negative test no okay takes 24 hours to get the test done so there was a pretty narrow window i could get a test done and they only had one appointment time actually i think they had two but neither one was a very good time but I show up and pull into the parking spot to get my test. You know, they have three parking spots for people who are getting coronavirus tests. You know, there's signs directing you right to the parking spots. Tells you to call a number, tell them who you are and what parking spot you're in. Someone will come out to to administer your test. So they come out. They're in their full hazmat suit. Um, I mean, I'm, I shouldn't say full hazmat suit, but uh, <clears throat> they're wearing a full like scrub suit, if you will, or whatever, like biohazard suit. Yeah. And then a face shield. You know, they're not on like oxygen, but they have a full face shield. And there was two people, basically one person ministering the test and one person kind of holding the bag, if you will. But she says, okay, what we got to do is we got to, you know, we got to stick this swab, you know, in your nasal cavity till we reach your throat. And, uh, you know, so it's going to go in pretty far. Um, it's going to be pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, gosh. So what we want you to do is look straight, you know, put your head all the way back against the headrest of your car, of your car. Look straight forward, tilt your head back, and then... Oh, so this is all in your car. You don't... Yeah, it's all in your car. All I did was roll down my window. And this was after they verified who I was, like, three times. Sure, yeah. Um, And then they stick the swab in, and it goes in a long ways. It's probably, I don't know, six, seven inches... In, in your nose, in your nose, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, they're basically trying to touch your brain. <laughs> I mean, it's it's in there. And so, did you uh, see them coming at you with a ten inch stick, and or did you not know how long it was going to go in? Like, well, did you know they were going deep? <laughs> I mean, I mean, she she said, I mean, she pulled this stick out and said, like, I have to put this. She may have even shown how much on the stick, like it's going to go in this far. And so, I mean, I I knew then. And, you know, she, she basically I mean, she didn't give me a whole lot of time to think about this or, you know, like she's she's got other appointments showing up kind right. of thing. It's like, you know, we're just going to do this and it's going to be uncomfortable. And and (laughs) 
she sticks it in and it burns and which that that's what I really didn't expect was that for it to actually burn like I I it was very uncomfortable and like my my nose I had no clue that your nasal cavity could like gag (laughs) but it totally was gagging like it was like flexing to try to to push this thing back out gosh you know and I'm like picture it (laughs) and you know she's like you know just a little bit longer and like you know she's rotating it around and I mean it felt like it was in there for an eternity you know it's probably only 10 15 (laughs) seconds but it it felt like it was in there for a long time (laughs) oh man i'm crying over here then yeah they basically just i know this is too much they just pull this thing out and they put it in a vial and sealed it up and basically said like you know this is how you'll get your results and oh well she pulled it out and she said are you okay and I said, <laughs> no, I'm not okay. What what I said, my direct quote was, I I will be okay. You know, like because I'm my eyes are tearing up, like yeah. you know they're watering, and you know I'm I, in just utter shock. <laughs> I wish you'd have bought me dinner first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just like, wow. And then she tells me how to get my results, and then says, all right, you're all set. Like, go ahead and leave. Oh, man. And so I, you know, I don't think I ever even shut off my car. So I just, you know, put my car out of park in the reverse and back out and start leaving the parking lot. They don't give you anything to, like, clean yourself up with or just have a nice no. day? Just have a nice day. <laughs> they don't. And I, you know, I was like, oh, you know, my nose is running a little bit, you know, from that, you know, it, you know, my eyes are already watering. So it's like, oh, my nose is watering too or whatever. So I wipe, you know, kind of wipe my nose and then put my hand back on the steering wheel. And then like a few seconds later, it's like, oh, it's watering again. And I kind of look down and my hands got blood on it and I've. I'm already dripping blood down the front of myself. <laughs> oh, like I, I had gotten a bloody nose from it. Oh, so Jeez. now I'm driving down the road. Like I had just gotten far enough where like, I can't just pull right off. You know, like I basically had just gotten out of their parking lot. Like right, I, yeah. you know, I pull out of their, you know, their parking lot and come to a, a green light. So I'm, quickly was able to get on the main road so then i'm driving and pull into a parking lot and find some kleenex and sat there and (laughs) tried to gain my composure because i had also realized that like my eyes were watering so much from it that that early morning sun was you know it was hard to see yeah so that was that. Test came back negative in like 12 hours. It was really quick. Okay. That's but uh, if you 
I, I've talked to other people who have gotten tests um, and have had completely different experiences. Like, oh. apparently, some Rite Aids are offering free tests. Like, anyone can get them. Yeah, I didn't know that they were free, but yeah, there's certain locations yeah. of Rite Aids yeah, um, and- that have, it's I don't know, I even know how they do it. I'm assuming in their parking lot somewhere, but yeah, I've heard. What I've heard about that is like, yeah, they they give you a swab and like they tell you to just swab around each nostril and then you give it back to them to put into a test tube. Like they don't you don't stick it in your nose at all. Like you just put it up your nose and swab around. Wow. I don't know. You just so, got lucky. Uh, apparently. Well, I talked to, I <laughs> when I went to get my surgery, I talked to him about it and they said like, yeah, basically there's been issues with false negatives. Like people who are taking a test when they have coronavirus and are showing up as negative because the test isn't accurate. Oh, so okay. like they, I got my, this surgery done through Cleveland clinic and basically they said like they they're very serious about it, like that they don't want, you know, that that's the worst thing they want to have happen is someone to get a false negative. They'd rather you get a false positive than a false negative. Sure. You know, so they were they said like they're very uh you know, like I think they said, like the CDC says that you have to swab the nostril for at least 10 seconds. And they said, like, their guidelines is 15 because they they really want to make sure that they're doing things right. But wow. uh, yeah, and then I went in Monday for my surgery. Um, I had the latest surgical appointment for the day for my surgeon so i didn't have to be there till eleven twenty, and then he was running behind so my surgery didn't actually happen for another like two and a half hours or so um and yeah i had my i had a hernia replaced it i don't know went do you have them replaced typical. Repaired. No, repaired. You don't have a hernia. Sorry. Repaired. <laughs> Sorry. Repaired. Yeah. Gonna have to get my hernia replaced. Yeah. No. It's about repaired. worn out. <laughs> All right. But, yeah. So well, now you're now you're no worse for the wear. Back at it. I mean, I, I'm. It it's it's taken me a few days. The recovery's a little harder than I was expecting. Pretty um, tenderoni or what? Yeah, yeah, and just, I, yeah, tender, and uh, you don't realize how much you use your abdomen muscles um, to just kind of do normal things until you can't really use them without it hurting. Yeah. You know, not being able to stand up out of bed on your own for a day and a half, two days that I didn't expect that I expected to be able to do it. Right. But I'm on the road to recovery now. I'm 
pretty good. Good deal. Glad to get that uh, sorted out. Just for, you know, completeness sake for all of our listeners now, you have a new respect for women having C-sections. You want to talk about cutting an abdomen. Hmm. Yeah. Good point. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this, but they gave me, like, dissolvable, like, they, they use glue and then dissolvable stitches. And I swear I can feel the stitches dissolve. Like, all of a sudden, I'll just kind of, like, like, I think one dissolves and kind of then they come apart, like, in a, like, a zipper fashion. You know, like, two or three of them. Oh, really? Because I'll, I'll just get, like, a, like, a tingly, like, uh, kind of like a, a worms under my skin kind of feeling. That's weird. No, never yeah. had that. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I've had I've had the same surgery and had stitches and dissolvable stitches in glue, but I didn't feel them coming undone. I I I think that's what it is. I could just be hallucinating. They did give me some pretty good drugs, so. <laughs> <laughs> but no. Yeah, just I laying there in bed, it's like, "Oh, that feels really creepy." Like it feels you know, tingly or tickles. I don't know. I've never had dissolvable stitches, so I, I have no idea. Yeah. I had the same surgery and I didn't have nearly the complications you did. So mine must have been just in a different enough spot because I was up in basically no worse for the wear. At least 20, I mean, I don't know, 48 hours for sure. Definitely back mm-hmm. to normal. I didn't have any problems, so must have, I don't know, been just yeah. a different enough spot where it didn't get into my abdomen or something, I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, because, yeah, I guess mine, if it would have been an inch lower, wouldn't have been too bad, you know, right, or yeah. half an inch lower. Well, <clears throat> I think the listeners already got their money's worth out of this one, because that, <laughs> that had me... uh that had me laugh, and so yeah. I guess that's a good point to, or a good place to sort of transition to what we are actually planning to talk about, and that is turkeys for the 2020 season. So the the turkey season for the southern zone has closed, and they've released the the harvest numbers. So we were going to kind of run through some of that data, what we've seen, some of the uh, interesting findings, I guess. And Jeff, if you want, cause you kind of compiled, you, you sort of laid things out on the County map and, and came to an interesting conclusion. And so, well, I guess before we do that, let's, let's talk about total. So the total for this year was 15,718 turkeys last year the 2019 season was 17,619 turkeys so that is down 10.79 call it 10.8 percent so you know almost 16,000 turkeys harvested this year but that those numbers are down which I think kind of coincides with what I mean what we saw personally which is you know sort of anecdotal but 
what we've been hearing, you know, through comments and, and things we've been hearing online, um, seems like people kind of struggled this year with, uh, with turkeys. I mean, some people obviously still, uh, got turkeys, but not a ton. So Jeff, like I said, you kind of laid things out on the county map and, and came to an interesting conclusion. You want to talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. So when you lay the, basically whether the, the county had higher numbers or lower numbers than last year, um, when you lay that out on, a, on the, the map of a map of Ohio county by county, um, it's kind of the, the tale of two halves. Basically, directly down the, the center line of the state, on eastern Ohio, um, numbers were, were down, and western Ohio, um, numbers were up. I believe throughout the whole state, there was 23 counties that had better harvest numbers this year than last year. And only three of those counties were in eastern Ohio. And that was Summit, uh, Columbia, and Mahoning, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and, and Summit, you know, is, has a, had a low harvest total to begin with. I think they only had, you know, one more bird this year than they did last year, which is you know, in total is a pretty large percentage gain um, because it, you know, makes, they don't harvest that many turkeys to begin with. But it was just, you know, one bird. So, but I've yeah. Got, so I've got the data in here and it's, uh-huh. it, it was two birds. It went <clears throat> from oh, 74 in 2019 to 76 in 2020. Okay. Which is an increase of 2.7%. Right, right. So it's it is an increase, but it's not a a huge, you know, right? Nothing dramatic. Yeah, yeah, you know that's that could have just been chance. Which I I thought that I mean it's a pretty distinct line. I mean we're not saying that every county in the western half of the state was up, but I mean like you said, it's basically from. You know, we all know what the shape of Ohio looks like. That that trough there, Erie County. You run a line from say Erie County, that you know, that trough in the state border down to the point there in Lawrence County, like that line, west of that line, the majority of counties were up. East of that line, the majority of counties, the vast, vast majority of counties were down. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so so Western Ohio, I mean, a lot of those counties were having great seasons, you know, but a lot of those counties don't make up the real numbers in the turkey harvest. Right. You know, the counties that usually have the high harvests are uh, that, you know, like Ashtabula County in the far uh, northeast, and then like those central eastern Ohio counties. So I want to talk briefly about our sponsor, Monster Whitetail Grub. 
Monster White Tail Grub has been a sponsor of this show for a long time and for good reason. It's a good company, good group of people, and they make a good product. It's Deer Feed. They say Deer Feed the Ohio way because they source everything from Ohio. So the ingredients, they even try to source the packaging from Ohio, and it works. It's a it's a coarse feed. It's got mineral mixed in. It's a high-protein feed. So their signature Monster Whitetail Grub feed is good. We've, we've been impressed with it. They've also got flavored corn, and you can get just straight mineral. I know a lot of guys like to run mineral this time of year for antler growth, for fawn development, that sort of thing. So they've got what you need. Check them out. Go to ohiohuntsman.com slash sponsors, and there'll be a link there to get in touch with them and try out some of their stuff. Now, let's get back into the conversation. Well, so I've got the, I sort of put the, the data in a spreadsheet here, and the highest total harvest was Belmont County with 486. So I'll run through, let's say, the top five here. So Belmont is number one, 486. Monroe, 460. Guernsey, 459. Tuscaroras, 458. And Meigs at 446. Megs. Megs. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, all you Megs listeners. Yeah. Um, If you want to run it down by percentage increase... Mercer had the highest percentage increase at, they went from 16 to 26, which is a 62.5% increase. Marion went from 46 point, or was a 46.4% increase. Again, sort of low overall numbers. They went from 28 to 41. Hamilton uh, had 36. 9% increase. They went from 103 in 2019 to 141 in 2020. Uh, here's another one that I might say wrong. Dark? Darky? Do you guys know? D-A-R-K-E? I think it's dark. Okay. I, I don't think you pronounce the E. Okay. So 36.36% increase going from 44 last year to 60 this year. Auglaze went is a 35% and uh, let's see, is that five, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. So that's the top five. They went up 35.1%. They went from 37 to 50. So the highest percentage gains were in those, you know, some of those counties that, that didn't have high overall numbers. Hamilton was the highest of those top five in percentage gain with 141. Now, if we, are you curious to sort it the other way? Ottawa. Did, did you do of, that? Yeah, okay. Not a, Well, I, I can just flip it the, the sort Oh, you, here. you have this in a spreadsheet already. Yeah, um, Got yes, it. yes. So, Ottawa, they don't kill a lot of turkeys in Ottawa. Last year, they killed five. This year, they killed one. Now, Ashtabula, they're, they're, and I guess I should look at a map, um, because some of these counties are still open. Ashtabula is still open. So they're they're down right now. Last year total they killed 450. Right now they're at 286. So they're down 36.9. But that data mm-hmm. is incomplete. Right. 
so again, Giaga, that's another one. They're up there. They're still open. Trumbull is the the northern zone. Yeah. So that data isn't really. Yeah, I think those I those three counties make up that northeast zone. Yeah. Yeah. So I can also. So we went through the top five, which is probably more interesting. Where the the top five total, the top five lowest harvest is Ottawa with one this year, Cuyahoga with five, Madison with 11, Fayette with 12, and Clark County with 13. Yeah. I'd like to to know where the people in like Cuyahoga County are hunting. Because that's a pretty, I mean, there's definitely places to hunt, but that's a pretty urban county. Yeah. You know, I mean, because I, I think it stands alone in Ohio, you know, because a lot of other counties, you know, have big cities, but then, you know, have rural areas. Yeah. But Cuyahoga County is not not so much. I mean, there's some, but, you know, I'm I'm surprised that anyone's killing a turkey. Yeah. The other interesting thing I, I can report to you guys is there are one, two, three, four, five counties that killed the exact same number of turkeys last year as they did this year. So if you are in Fayette, Van Wert, Miami, Montgomery, and Allen, you guys killed the same number of turkeys last year as you did this year. Which makes me, like in Fayette, right. is it was 12 12 turkeys so it makes me wonder is like is it the same 12 guys that like they go out and get <laughs> they get a turkey every year and right. just... probably i mean honestly it probably is at least a big part of it i mean you i got to know. imagine it's like there's a at least yeah. a, a a large core of that that's like the same dudes every year right they've, they've got it figured yeah. out they've got the place to do it you know yeah because they're I all mean, pretty I... I was just going to say that they're all pretty low harvest, you right. know, 12, 18, 22, 25, and 69. Yeah. I know in, in fall, like fall Turkey, um, you know, typically those numbers are pretty low and, you know, I, I can see a noticeable difference when I try to hunt, you know, fall Turkey and like in, in, my my harvest of a fall turkey or mine and my wife's harvest of a fall turkey can seriously impact the county's uh number of turkeys right you know cuz in fall you know some counties you know it's like well i think most counties are probably in the 20 range you know 20 birds so plus or minus a bird there and that that's a a big difference you know yeah yeah it the total's 20 and you take two birds away from that it's like oh you know the county's harvest numbers are down 20 percent yeah or 10 percent yeah so that's kind of the 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 numbers like i can i can run through the let's see this would be the top five for last year so monroe with 586 shoot a lot of 
turkeys in Monroe County. They were in the top five for for this year too, right? They're they're yeah. number two this year. They were number one last year with five hundred and eighty six. Muskingum five fifty six. Washington with five fifty five. Belmont with five twenty seven and Tuscaroras with five twenty one. Right. So Muskingum and Washington fell out of the top the top this year, right? The top five. Yeah. Or say, how much did right. Washington fall? Just because Washington we're, they we're went hunt. down we had a little trouble. So Yeah, they were down twenty two point seven percent. They went from five fifty five in two thousand nineteen down to four twenty nine this year. That's a bunch of birds. Yeah. Decrease. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. That's a lot less turkey. Yeah. When you get that big of a percentage drop in a county that kind of is one of the top counties, that's a big difference. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of those big counties were, you know, Monroe was down 21 and a half percent. Muskingum was down 21.9 percent. Like I said, Washington, 22.7. Coshocton down 20.6 percent. Noble down 20 percent. Athens down 21.7 percent. So, so I guess what are your guys's theories or thoughts as to why that is? Less birds, or I mean, a lot of guys I I know are saying that they weren't gobbling this year. They didn't hear gobbling. What? Why? How? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that the the reason for the the harvest numbers being down in those counties is less birds than previous years um you know i think the we've had some some bad hatch years and then all the cicada birds have already been harvested yeah you know so it's the numbers are you know the population numbers are down but i I think these i mean this is curious jason if you you probably don't have all that data in front of you, but how much was the harvest inflated due to the cicada hatch over the last couple years? And is this just a return to normal or is this, you know what I mean? Are we just now that we basically, cause the lifespan of a Turkey is just not that long. Are we just killing off that bump, you know, that baby boom, so to speak. Right. (laughs) Or is there really a decreased population based on before that, phenomenon that caused more turkey yeah that's a good question I, I i've only got 2019 2020 data here so i you know i don't i don't have that but that's a good question and i i think too that you know because we've had like this this spring has been wet last spring was wet like i think these wet springs are 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 hard for the for the turkeys yeah it's a Ground nesting bird, yeah, any flooding and all that all cause right. problem. I've even heard, you know, like when a when a turkey gets wet, like it just produces more scent, and so you know, coyotes, coons, whatever, can find them and either you know kill the hen sitting on the nest or get at the eggs. I don't know if there's truth to that, but you know, yeah, I've, they're just I've heard wet the same the thing. I yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes don't know sense. if there's any truth, but I've I've definitely heard the same thing. Yeah, 
I mean, if I was wet all the time, I'd start to stink. So it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, those, those are kind of the, the Turkey numbers. I, you know, my Turkey season was weird this year, you know, because of the whole coronavirus thing. I, I didn't, I chose not to go to the cabin with everybody and I, I hunted a little here locally, but you know, if, if there's no turkeys or, or they're not on the piece of property you have access to, you know, it, it, uh, it makes it tough. And, but I guess I was a little surprised that they were, you know, because of the whole coronavirus thing, I figured there would be more people like, well, I ain't got anything else to do. I'm going to go turkey hunting, you know, and that the, you know, the numbers would have been up more than they were. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what tag sale numbers look like. Yeah. You know, the number of tags sold. Because I, I foresee that those will be higher. You know, I think, I think hunter participation this year was up. And that, that might have been why, you know, Western Ohio had such a good, good year was because their hunter participation was up. You know, that may not have been anything you know about the population in western ohio it may have been a hunter participation thing that caused that you know all those counties to have good years yeah i mean because if if the you know the tag numbers are up like that that the you know the picture is even more grim right there was less turkeys harvested with more people hunting them you know that's even right. a, a sort of a worse result Right, right. Well, and the other thing that I know is going to get brought up on our social page, so I'll just bring it up now, um, is the out-of-state license. You know, the out-of-state licenses were suspended because of the virus. Those guys couldn't come in and hunt because you had to quarantine for 14 days. I personally don't think that, I mean, yes, it has an impact. There are out-of-state hunters that come hunt Ohio for turkey, but not to the you know, number of how many birds were down. Like it's, that wouldn't have made a difference. I don't think in the overall harvest, we still would be down and it still would be a pretty significant number personally, I think, but. Well, and I, I, and I don't, you guys correct me if I'm, if I misspeak here, but didn't they announce that they were going to stop selling out of state tags and license, or I guess out of state licenses, before they shut it off so so you know but they said if you've already got one you can still come but you we ask that you quarantine is that how yeah. it played out yeah. timeline yeah. yeah 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 they announced so I, it like 24 to 48 hours ahead of time so so i think anybody that you know was you know that comes here to hunt every year like it's a thing they do if if they heard that i would imagine they'd jumped online and bought their tag and you know i I just ignored the quarantine advice yes yeah i would say that's probably accurate unfortunately but i bet that's probably true just you know i'm gonna quarantine in the woods which is is fine but you know it, it it doesn't take into account all the other people that you were coming in contact with i guess right but who knows, you know, the more we find out about this, the more it seems like it maybe wasn't as bad as, uh, 
they had originally thought and so I don't know. Yeah, I liked how the most recent thing is all of a sudden they came out and said, oh, by the way, it can't really be transferred by surfaces. <laughs> after oh, everybody, really? I hadn't heard that. Yeah, after everybody's been bleaching their life away. Now the latest that just came out a few days ago, yeah, they're saying that it's very difficult to transmit on surfaces. Huh. So that was a whoops, I guess, now that they know a little more. But that's still the biggest risk is the respiratory droplets person to person. But like on a surface, so like contracting coronavirus from the credit card machine at the grocery store is very low odds. Yeah. I bet you them things have never been cleaner, man. (laughs) Yeah, I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Yeah, Uh, that's true. And I, you know, it's a it's a hard thing, right? Because like it. I don't envy the people that are in the positions to make the decisions because in the beginning we had very little data. We were seeing Italy basically getting ravaged by this. It, it shut China down for a while, you know? And so it was like, holy crap, you know? And it was kind of frustrating because we saw all that happening and we're like, huh, that's interesting. And then it gets here and it's like, oh my gosh, it's actually happening to us. You know, it was like, it felt like we were like just sort of bystanders like, huh, what do you know? And then it's like, oh, we don't have masks and we don't have, you know, we don't, we're not ready. So that was a little frustrating, but then, you know, you got to make decisions with limited data, limited information. And, you know, the more we're finding out, uh, you know, the more time we have to gather data and, and information, Things maybe weren't as, you know, that's not to say that people didn't die from it, you know, and and that's unfortunate. But, you know, the grand scheme of things, it it maybe wasn't as dire as, as, uh, you know, I don't know, the media, the the news or whatever had led people to believe at the beginning. Again, with what information they had available to them. So, got on a little coronavirus tangent there but how can you not it's uh <laughs> basically everywhere. reshaped everybody's yeah reshaped everybody's life here right. so i had to uh i had to break i had to channel my my inner uh macho man randy savages i went to home depot and you know i'm trying to do my social distancing you know and, and uh all of that and some people you know not so, not so much. I, you know, especially I, I've noticed at Home Depot. I don't know what it is about. It must just be the type of people that go to Home Depot on the regular. But I've had a lot of problems, and I'm sure Lowe's is the same way. I just typically shop at Home Depot, but home improvement stores like that, for some reason, I've noticed there's a lot of people who are not respecting any type of social distance, mask, nothing. Just yeah. don't. They get it. They get, they're in your space, you know. So I had to yeah. give them the old "That's close enough, brother." <laughs> I didn't actually say that, but I I say that I joke at home, you know, with Amanda and Ella, you know. Had to tell that guy, "That's close enough, brother." <laughs> but yeah, it was all good. Made it out alive. So 
but man, you can tell when you're out and about, like you can tell people are just, they're frustrated. There's a lot of like angst, you know, there there was one guy just like yelling through the store, like home Depot employee, where is a home Depot employee? I need, you know, it was like, Oh boy, this guy. Wow. You know, and then later he, I, I'm over in lumber. That was over near paint. I'm over in lumber on the other side of the store. And he's like, I need a 10 foot four by four. You see 10 foot four by fours. These people in here are worthless. You know, and he's just on and on. Can I get somebody to help me? I'm lifting, lifting things off racks over my head. And, you know, it's just like, oh boy, everybody just take, take a deep breath. It's all good. Yeah. We're all making out of this. Right. Yeah, unfortunately, I see some of that where, you know, because I work retail and I don't know what the right answer is, but a lot of people are, like you said, they're very on edge just in general. So I just typically try to tell people, you know, a little bit of kindness goes a long way. (laughs) We're all going through this, you know, I don't know. This guy, to paint the picture, this he, he was wearing a mask. Uh, but it was a homemade mask that he had made out of a Crown Royal bag. Oh, nice. <laughs> it was a green one, though. I, I don't know enough about Crown Royal. That must be a different flavor than their normal. Probably Crown bag. Apple. Oh, okay. Crown Apple. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think that might be Crown Apple. So, yeah, he had a homemade Crown Apple mask. Oh, so. creative. All right. Well, anything See, that's else? That's a twofer because if a little alcohol got on there, you know, kills the virus. There you go. Right. right? It's a double yeah. duty. Yeah. Yeah. Before we wrap it up, what do you guys think or what have your observations been? I feel like I have seen personally on camera and also around social media that there's like a uptick in bearded hens going around Ohio. I, I, I don't get pictures on uh turkey pictures on on the you know any cameras i run um so i haven't seen it i i have seen you know people talking about it online but i don't know jeff what's your experience been with that well i've shot a bearded hen before actually i think my first spring turkey was a bearded hen if i'm remembering correctly and uh i i have a theory on this And I think trail cameras, you know, because have increased the number of bearded hens that have been killed. Because if you see a hen in the woods while you're turkey hunting, you think it's just a hen and you don't look for a beard. But if you see, you know, pictures of turkeys on a trail camera and you see oh hey that one's got a beard then you maybe specifically target that one because it's a legal bird or you're at least are aware that hey there's a bearded hen around so if i see a hen i should look for a beard you know because i could be probably the bearded hen that i shot i knew she was around you know, I had been getting trail camera photos of her for two weeks. No, oh, okay. You know, I knew she was around, so when I called in a hen, it was like, well, let's see if that's that bearded one. And sure yeah. enough, it was. 
Hmm. So <clears throat> when you guys look at, because I think they've talked about this on the Meat Eater podcast a little bit, with bearded hens, like Jeff, when you, you know, when you shot that one, are you looking at it as, oh, it's interesting? Like, or are you looking at it as, oh, she's, you know, she's a, a weird one. I'm, I want to take her out of the gene pool or how, like, how are you viewing bearded hens? Or are you just I mean, saying it's a legal bird, you know, yeah, the turkey's at, a turkey? At the time, I think this was my first spring turkey. So, yeah, it was. it's a legal bird, and it's within range, I'm sure. Right, okay. You know, it's it's a turkey. Um, you know, now I think it would be, I, I might let uh, a bearded hen pass now, depending on how late in the season it is. Um. Because you do typically get significantly less meat. Their you know hens are quite a bit smaller. Um, so if I had a, a chance at a tom, I would probably still like to shoot a tom or a Jake. But if it's late in the season, it's you know it's better to fill my tag with something. Sure. You know, but yeah. uh, last year I I during turkey season saw a a hen with poults. So that's really gotten me thinking twice about shooting bearded hens. Like, Oh, right. I, I, it, it never occurred to me that like they, that a hen could layer eggs and have poults by the time Turkey season ended. You know, yeah. so that if, if I shot a bearded hen and then discovered she had poults with her, I mean, that would be just terrible. Yeah. It would be a bummer. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because really you're not shooting at that point, you're not shooting one, you're shooting 10, you're shooting 10, 10 birds, basically. Right. Right. You know, that's, that's the population effect you're having. So. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that was good. Like I said, you know, we, we, you guys got a, you guys being the listeners, you got a lot of ancillary content in this one, but, uh, we wanted to talk about the Turkey numbers and that, that, <clears throat> that Northern zone is still open, but, uh, the rest of the state has closed and that's kind of where things fell. So with that, we'll, uh, shut it off and let y'all get back to your week. Okay. So that's it for this week. Fun one, kind of, uh, a good mix, I guess of, of, uh, non-hunting related topics and turkey talk so we had fun recording this one hopefully you guys enjoyed listening to it if you did give us a like share the episode send it to your friends and that would really help us out we're ohio huntsman on facebook ohio huntsman underscore podcast on instagram and check us out interact with our stuff you know we like hearing from you all and let us know what you think. And with that, I'll let you get back to your week and we'll talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.